Welcome back, friends, to ShuttlePod95. We are delighted that you are coming with us on this journey. We're recording here on March 12th, 2021. I am one of your co-hosts, Jared, and I'm joined by my friend Brian. Hello, everybody. And my friend Lori. Hello. Welcome back, Lori. We're always happy to have you back on. Yes, welcome back, Lori. Thank you. It's been a while. It has. She's joining us from her own lovely podcast. The All Access. The All Access podcast, which she co-hosts with Mr. Anthony Pascal. Yep, we just did our 32nd episode. Uh, that's amazing. Every that's awesome. week, man. It's exhausting, yeah, but it's you good. guys. Are, you guys are committed. Every we doing it at weekly is a is a tough assignment. It's very tough. It's we, good we, though. We really struggled with it. Is it just tell us tell uh, the good children of the shuttle pod more about your podcast if they're not listening to that as well. Uh, we start out. We cover Star Trek news every week, so it's a lot of the stuff that's on the site or anything that comes up. Um, oh, okay. Wow, well, sometimes right before we're recording. Like um, and then we then we use the most of the podcast to either do an interview or talk about something. We're focused mostly on the new Star Trek universe, as we're calling it. Mm-hmm. So everything like starting with CBS All Access or movies or anything that happens going forward. But of course, we're constantly talking about older trek because it finds its way in and we're hoping There's to do so much of it yeah so we're hoping right. to do some interviews and you know we've done some and we're hoping to do more yeah um but it's fun doing it weekly i actually uh very feel very energized after we record every week good that's great yeah that's how it should be that's right absolutely yeah it's been a lot of fun there have been some nights when we've done the shuttle pod and it's been late and I haven't been able to get to sleep till like 1 a.m. or something because my mind is racing from all the yeah. stuff we talked yeah. about. Yeah. It's very hard Which to wind good. down from recording. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's so fun to talk about Star Trek with people who also want to talk about it instead of people who roll their eyes and look away. <laughs> you mean there okay. you mean there are people like that in the world, Lori? Yeah, and they and and the, I gave birth to two of them. Uh, <laughs> well, and I married one. <laughs> Life is long, and people have times to make changes. Yeah, not okay. very good, Jared. That's a, so yeah, very good, Lori. So I have a I have a news radio Star Trek anecdote. If I can share with you, you're probably Please. one of people who will personally appreciate it. So I've been rewatching News Radio, which is this great series from the late '90s. Brian, I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever watch it, but I think I you did. enjoy it. I did. I did. So the main character, Dave, is a nerd. And this was before, like, the Big Bang Theory and being a nerd was, like, the norm. And so when they make nerd jokes, it really meant something. And there's an episode where, like, Beth lures Dave, his uh, secretary, lures him into signing something and then rushes it away before he sees what he signed. And he says to her, I didn't just sign for another stolen Jeep, did I, Radar? Which is, of course, (laughs) a a MASH reference. And after the laugh track dies down, she says to him, Dave, I don't watch Star Trek. And then leave. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are my two worlds colliding right there. Yeah, isn't same. it? All three. That's all funny. three. Yeah, all three, really. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Oh, anyway, that's so I saw funny. that the other day and wanted to tell you about it. No, that's great. <laughs> okay, but that's not what we came here to talk about. We came here to talk about, and Brian, this was your idea, so, so I'll let you elaborate on it. But we wanted to celebrate our friend and mentor and leader <laughs> and hero, William Shatner. Yeah. In honor of. Yeah, what important date do we have coming up? William Shatner is going to be turning 90. 90 years of age Holy on March cow. 22nd. Yep. And if I didn't know that, I would not believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you see this man in conventions. You see him on television. He's in, even right now, you know, he, he'll do Zoom interviews and everything else. And you cannot believe that he has lived as long as he has and has the energy he has. The energy has... is incredible. Yeah. I think he really embodies the whole idea of like this carpe diem sees the day. Yes. And oh, very much. Something is, uh, if you like in the captains, when he's in, when he's interviewing Scott Bakula, he talks about like, well, what do you believe about like life after death? Is there a God? Well, you know, what's, what's going to happen after we die? And the thing is, I think, he generally doesn't know, but he's concerned if there isn't a life after death, he's going to pack as much as he can yeah. Oh, yeah. his mortality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also he talks about it like on one of the behind the scenes things for Undiscovered Country, where he talks about like his dad dying and like, like, well, OK, well, where did he go? What happened? Right. 
It's got to mm-hmm. be something. And and that that uh, rather than getting depressed about existential concerns, he just says, I am going to uh, live life to the lees and squeeze every last drop I can out of out of uh, my life here on the planet. Yep. And you have to admire that. You have to admire that. Oh, absolutely. Very few people really have the nerve to grab life by the horns and just run with it. He yeah. says it in his one of his recent books, too, where he just starts talking about passion and saying, like, you can still have passion. I still have it. And you'll never run out of it. Mm. And I feel like that's his whole M.O. Like, look at the millions of different things he's done and is doing in his life at any given time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He also admits that he's terrified of dying. So he's. Yeah. Like, sure. So it's part of that. He, yep. He just wants to keep moving. Yeah, he says he'll go kicking and screaming. That's the and way I, and I absolutely believe that. I mean, yeah. he is for for a man of his advanced years. He is like a physical marvel. Like for those of you who don't go to Star Trek conventions on the regular, Jared will agree with this because we were. What was it? Two years ago? Was it twenty nineteen? Was the last time we saw him on stage? And he just he's on stage forty five minutes to an hour typically, and he doesn't sit down. He walks back and forth from one side of the stage to the other, cracking jokes, telling stories. But you would—it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that someone that age can just be in that kind of shape. Uh, and and not only is he amazing at it for his age, but he's better at this than anyone else I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Fan yeah. conventions I've been to, no one compares to him. Yeah, he's a storyteller, and he, yeah, and he can he tell has... stories about anything. He can tell a great story. He knows how to weave a tale. He has a fantastic vocabulary. He either has a great memory or he just makes up great stuff as he's going along. I, I think I think he makes a lot of it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's there to entertain. Yeah. Yeah, he always gives 110%. Yeah, when he when he, at in Star Trek Las Vegas when he's on stage, that room is filled. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Every seat and people are standing around. Every you know, he is still the, the, the I guess the still the, in many ways the face of the Star Trek franchise. So, oh he's yeah, certainly treated like it. Yep, it, it, easily. I mean, it would. You kind of wonder what would have happened if someone else had been cast. Like, I don't know, like who else would have been comparable. To, okay, well, I mean, Jeffrey Hunter would be the easiest one to compare him to. Right. I I can't imagine. No, <laughs> as much as we like Captain Pike that he would have been able, that he would have had the charm to make this the phenomenon that it's been for 55 years. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. And Shatner's energy level was much higher than Jeffrey Hunter's, um, which is something I think Leonard Nimoy um, alluded to when he was comparing the two of them. And Leonard felt that if Hunter had stayed, his the two, they both their acting styles were too similar. They were both kind of trying to underplay their roles. And if they had continued to do that, Leonard would have had Spock wouldn't have had a good place to go in terms of contrast with another character. Yeah. But when Kirk came in, when Shatner came in with this high energy level and just this exuberance, yeah. Leonard was able to pull everything back and and the contrast was just perfect. That first scene where they play chess, that sets the tone for the oh, whole yeah. franchise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the most remarkable thing about that scene is that Shatner is already playing the Kirk we're all going to know for the next 50 years. Yeah, there's <laughs> like, no learning curve. There's no learning curve. He's already playing Kirk. Like there's no he makes no adjustments after that. Like he's he found the character immediately. And that's remarkable. Yeah, that's true. I mean that's even th- even though hit the character evolved and he evolved he with him, you're right. Yes. He knew who he was immediately. Immediately. There's you like, you know, it took Leonard a little while to find Spock. Even DeForest Kelly adjusted bits of McCoy during the course of the series. But Shatner is Kirk from the first frame. It's true. There could be no other. I mean, there no. has been, but, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, it really is hard to imagine. It really is hard to imagine Star Trek without him. And and I know a lot of people, I think, would like to say that, you know, Spock and Leonard Nimoy and Spock are loom very large in the franchise's history and they obviously do but i think the whole franchise isn't is fronted by shatner and and i i think leonard's more important like inside the franchise the hardcore fans and i think shatner is a better like ambassador outside of the franchise because yeah he's been so prolific yeah 
Yeah, he's very he's a cultural icon. He's known not just for Star Trek, obviously. He, right. You know, some people know him as TJ Hooker if you grew up in the 80s and weren't a big Star Trek fan. Um, and obviously he was Denny Crane, you know, won an Emmy playing Denny Crane. He was phenomenal in Boston yeah. Legal. Did, um, did, were you guys Boston Legal fans? Did you guys watch I love that? Boston Legal. Oh, I loved it. I never watched it, but can I just say what I remember from when he won the Emmy? Tell and I hope that. I'm remembering correctly, but I was watching it on TV and I'm pretty sure Alan Alda was up against him in the same category. It must have they been were. the West Wing or something. Yeah. Yes, Alan Alda, who I have, you know, truly love. His yeah, sure. facial expression. His facial expression when they announced William Shatner was like his jaw pretty much dropped. Oh, yeah. okay. I gotta track that down. Yeah, I track that down. It was not it was it was not a good look for Alan Alda. I hope <laughs> no. I'm remembering it right. <laughs> no, you are. I remember yeah. it very well. I was watching. I felt I was happy for Shatner. You know He deserved it. He deserved it. He's caught a sense. lot of he's caught a lot of crap in his career. Some of it deserved, to be fair. For some of the choices he's made acting wise and even just roles he took. But you know, we can go into it a little bit about his background, but I don't want to so, be, before, before you before we, before we do we that move though. On, yes. While yes. we're talking about him as an ambassador, did you guys watch when George Lucas was inducted into like the American Film Institute? It was like 10 I did. Years ago. I, yeah. So who opened that? Shatner. It, it was William Shatner. <laughs> and like he sings the Sinatra song, uh, My Way, I think, is what he does. And then so. he gets dragged <laughs> off by some stormtroopers. Yeah. I think that's so funny. So when it first opens, you know, he gets this big laugh. Everyone thinks it's funny to have a, the captain of the other franchise coming. And he says, George, congratulations. Is it okay if I call you George? And Lucas nods and he says, great. You can call me Mr. Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Ah, he's so good. <laughs> he has reinvented himself many, many times over. Yep. You don't get to be this. You, you don't get to still be kind of a cultural force when you're 90 years old. But if you haven't reinvented, you, you haven't like shed skins several times. Well, I remember those years. Like I grew up in Canada, and so all you could see him in for a while were these commercials for Loblaws, which is a big grocery store there, and then yeah. these Ponderosa Steakhouse steakettes. Oh, that sure. You could bring yeah. home or whatever but he yeah. was in those and he was doing almost nothing else for a short time but like that was supposed to be it for him and look yeah. at him now yeah i mean right i mean we can get into this more but once star trek ended the first two or three years after trek ended he was taking like anything he could find he was badly typecast as Kirk and like it was hard for him for a while yeah. until like the mid 70s and then things started to pick up for him again well and, and Nimoy pivoted pretty quickly to Mission Impossible didn't he yeah he didn't skip, miss a beat he just yeah stayed so on that, the Desi, he stayed on the Paramount lot you know that must have been a little a little tough because he had to, he, every year Leonard got nominated for an MA and Shatner didn't right yeah yeah I'm sure I that, mean that. The other thing with Leonard Nimoy was that he could have a totally different look, which helped. Like you take That's off true. the ears, you change the yep. hair, and then yep. you're no, people aren't necessarily seeing Spock. Right, and and on a show like Mission, which had a international element to it, Leonard's look lent itself well to a show like that. Because mm. Leonard was kind of an exotic, what we, they used to refer to as exotic <laughs> in casting, because he's he had an unusual face, and you know was chosen to play certain roles due to that. Sort of a, a, a handsome guy by any normal standards, but not as outrageously handsome as TV standards might dictate. Correct. Right. Sort, sort of sort of the way uh, Marianne on Gilligan Island was the ugly one. Yeah, right. right. Which is insane. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so do we want to talk about like favorite Shatner moments within the franchise? Or are there sure. other things background that we want to go into? Well, first? yeah, I, 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 before we like get into... Where we'll probably stay, which is his Trek career. I just wanted to mention that, you know, his career in fandom is obviously well documented and the other TV shows he was in, but he was a highly regarded theater actor. Really? Yes. Yeah. In, yeah. in the 50s, he was at Stratford in Ontario. Tyrone Guthrie directed him, the legendary Tyrone Guthrie, who thought he was one of the best students that he'd ever had. He was an understudy to Christopher Plummer and Henry V. Yeah, that's how they met. He, um, what was that other, he, he was in, uh, what was the other, Oedipus Rex. He did several different things up at Stratford. And then he was on Broadway. Yeah. He did The World of Susie Wong. He was in Shot in the Dark with Walter Matthau. 
like his career was on ascension. He was in Judgment at Nuremberg, the film. He plays a, I believe, an aide to Spencer Tracy. So cool. I mean, he was in the Brothers Karamazov. He was in Hollywood's Golden Age. You know, like he, he people tend to forget how long this man's career has been. Like highly prestigious stuff. You know, entering the nineteen sixties, like just remarkable. Then he did a lot of TV, obviously a lot of live television, like Playhouse ninety. He was in Twilight Zone, as we all know. Yes. I mean he he was a highly regarded actor when they got him for Star Trek. Joe DeGosto, who was the casting director of Star Trek, has said several times they could not believe they got him. That's oh, how really? highly regarded his he was. Star yeah. was so high, so that was yeah. quite a. Quite he was a very highly regarded for them. Yeah, and he didn't just... become. I was just going to say he was super handsome back in those days, too. He oh, was. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yo, leading man handsome. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So, yeah, it was a it was quite a coup for, for Trek to have someone with such an extensive background like that become the leader of that troop of actors. And Lord knows he needed it. I mean, if you think about all the stuff that he had to go through just in those three seasons mm-hmm. of all the scenarios he had to play out that are nuts. Yeah, and he and he, he said he enjoyed it because Kirk, you know, he has I think had some uncomfortable moments, obviously related to the franchise, maybe the fans and how the fandom treats him and stuff. I don't know. I, to this day, I don't think he completely gets it, but he loved playing that role. I mean, who wouldn't want to play that role? Seriously, <laughs> yeah, no, it's Kirk a is a role. Kirk is a great role. He's a great. It's a great role. Anyway, yeah, I just wanted to mention that it's it's worth just remembering that this man. No, that's important. Had, that's important. He's yeah. had remarkable accomplishments that had nothing to do with Star Trek. The thing that you've said a couple times, Brian, which I really like, is is that Shatner was going to become a star no matter what. It was just a question of where. Yeah. And yeah. No, it's true. Happened. Yeah. Anyway, so favorite Shatner moments? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. So we can talk about within the franchise, outside the franchise. Um, the one, I mean, I guess we're kind of talking more about outside the franchise first. Uh, I love the two Twilight Zone episodes he's in. The more famous one is the Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, but yep. I, because that's the one that's been remade a few times. It's the one yeah. yes, it with, with John Lithgow in the, in the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. But I actually think the better performance from him is the Nick of Time one where he and his wife get like yeah. haunted by this, uh, like a little fortune teller at a, yep. a rest stop in Ohio. Like yep. a little devil head thing. Exactly. Yep. Cause, cause it's a more like nuanced performance, right? It's not just this guy freaking out on a plane. It's yep. like, here's this guy who he's hopeful. He's got this, he's, he's in love with his wife. He's superstitious. Uh, he's got all these things going on at once. And unlike many twilight zone episodes, it has a little happier ending, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. Yep. The, the other thing where I love Shatner is on Third Rock from the Sun. That's the mm-hmm. one that big I Big giant head. Big giant head. Who else was going to be the big giant head for Seriously. the high commander? <laughs> but, and there's that great scene between him and Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where uh, Lithgow asked him how his trip was. And I think he says, and Shatner says something along the lines of, uh, it was it was like terrible. There was like this creature on the wing. And then Lithgow uh-huh. goes, it happened to you too? <laughs> yeah, the same thing happened to me. That's funny. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Same thing happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spectacular that was a great nerd joke. Yeah. yeah, total nerd joke. Yeah. Well, Lori, do you have some favorites that are non-Trek? Yeah, you know what? I love him as an interviewer, so I loved his show that he had on bio. Shatner's oh, Runner. Yeah. yeah, that was he, good. First of all, they had the setup where the chairs were facing each other, which I thought was really was, clever. Was di- and Yeah, mm-hmm. different. When he talked to people, and, you know, obviously the ones he did with Star Trek people were great, but when it was other people, too, like his Judge Judy interview, I will never forget. (laughs) Like, you know, there's something like he has so much life experience. And so whenever he was interviewing someone who was, you know, close, closer to his age than, you know, mine, um, I just felt like he got so much out of them because they had all this shared like, wow, we've been through a whole lot in our lives kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. But he's very interested in other people like for a guy who's a famous narcissist and for sure he's a narcissist he's also fascinated by other people yes and knows how to ask probing intriguing questions whether Mm. or not people want to answer he gets there he finds a way to get there because he's so engaging yep 
That's what makes his Star Trek documentaries very interesting to watch. Yes. And why he's good at conventions and hosting. Like, he's a great hoster and interviewer. Like, I even just watched, like, he was doing one of those virtual cons with Kate Mulgrew. Mm-hmm. And he oh, was cool. unbelievable. And they, yep. they took the moderator out. They just had the two of them. Like, goes Yeah, they don't need, those two don't need a moderator. No, they do not. <laughs> Most of them don't need moderators. Typically, right. the moderator gets right. in the way. And the two of them have been on stage together so many times that they probably have a whole shtick down at this point. Yeah, they were just having a conversation. It was fascinating. Yeah. Because <laughs> with Zoom, you get the illusion that there's nobody there, even though you know there are people there. So There are a lot of like to this, too, I've noticed. Yep. At least when they're on stage. They have very similar bearing and kind of, a certain, of and a certain self-absorption. Yeah. Yep. And they're both literary. <laughs> yep. And they both know how to win people over in conversation yep. very easily. Yep, yep. yep. That's a gift of great acting. Yep. Uh, I think Kate Mulgrew has a slightly more uh, loyal crew, if we can say, when when ev- everyone on Voyager <laughs> loves her as as their leader. I don't know about everybody, but most of them do. Yeah, most of them certainly, certainly. Which is certainly but, more than Mr. Shatner can say. Yes, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he even you know it's funny because even in his I'm going to talk about his book again, the last one, but he says that he he doesn't seem to have super close friendships. Yeah. Like Leonard Nimoy was his true close friendship and it ended so tragically where Leonard was mad at him and he didn't know why. Yep. And he doesn't have intimate friendships with people. I think he hangs around with people and he has fun and then he just goes back to his house, I guess, and that's it. Well, it's uh, his his family life has been so weird too because he's gone through so many wives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has children and grandchildren. I think those are real those are real relationships. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, he's mentioned that. I think he mentioned that in his book about Leonard too. That he's had very hard time developing close friendships with people. Yeah, that, that's sad. That's very sad. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but yeah. Well, that's also symptomatic of longevity, right? Because you just you outlive people. Like my grandma had a cartoon on her on her uh, refrigerator of two old ladies talking, and one of them said. All of my friends will think I didn't. I'm in hell because I'm not in heaven now, right? Because I have outlived them, right? Because if he may have had these lifelong relationships, yeah. people are gone, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, my my grandmother's older than he is, and she has that too, to some degree, for sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's gonna happen if you live long enough. Well, that's a cheerful thought. Yeah, yeah. Let's know. move on, shall we? <laughs> on, no. We're here to celebrate life. Yes, yes. We, we came. We came here to celebrate William uh, to Shatner, not to bury him. That's we're just, right. We're just fearing death with him. We're in solidarity, and now we're going to talk about his life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you? Did either of you guys ever watch T.J. Hooker? I I never watched that. that no. I watched a bit of it. A I watched a bit of it on and off as as a, as a kid. I I never cared for it all that much. I thought it was kind of goofy. He was pretty unrestrained on that show. <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, right, Laurie. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I never watched a whole episode. I feel like I just saw lots of ads for it when I was yeah. a kid and stuff. And my family would be like, "Are you going to watch it?" Because it's really shiny. Um, <laughs> and he had bad, like the hair was bad. The hair yeah. was bad. I remember. He that. had, yeah. yeah, he had his, he had his eighties Kirk hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Leonard was on it though. Leonard Nimoy was on it. You should find story. that episode and do a viewing party at Trek Movie. Yeah, that's, a, great that's idea. a good idea. That's a good idea. The main thing I remember of that show is how weird Heather Locklear's hair was. She had oh, she had great eighties hair. That was perfect. Those, perfect those were hair. crazy hair times. Like, wasn't the other guy was like Adrian Zemed or something? And yep. he also had like a big bouffant kind of thing going on. He totally did. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I watched it a few times. It's kind of a forgettable show, but it ran, I think, four or five years, that show. That also yeah. probably helped um, Star Trek th- uh, 3 and 4 be more successful than they might have been otherwise. Yeah, maybe. 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 When he was hosting Saturday Night Live, his famous uh, Get a Life uh, appearance, uh, he, he makes a joke in the monologue. He says, we're here celebrating Star Trek 4. And I hope 20 years from now, I'll be back on to celebrate TJ Hooker for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of a crossover audience it was. I'm sure there was some. Some, yeah. 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 But yeah, just, he did. 
Kevlar. I just remembered another performance of his that I love, but it's not on a TV show. It's his Hallmark card. Have you seen it? His Hallmark card? Like an no. online Hallmark card where he sings oh, the song oh, yeah, yeah, Shout yeah, yeah, yeah. and he puts your name yeah, up yeah, yeah. in lights. And yes. it's mag- I've sent it to so many people. Yeah, I got Christine sent it to me for my birthday a couple of years ago. <laughs> I sent it to my grandmother. <laughs> That's awesome. She loved it. <laughs> she's probably like, how did he know my name? Yeah, no, well, she's she's with it, but uh, <laughs> but it's great. You know, he's Canadian. We all he's a Canadian Jew, like my family, so we all right. connect. Oh, interesting. We connect yep. on that level. Oh, very uh, but cool. it's he's Mazel really top. funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he's very funny in the in that ad. Yes, he is. And yeah, he puts everything he has into it, like he does with everything else. <laughs> he does well because he just does it once, and God knows how much money he's made off it. Oh yeah, sure. He did that Tech War series in the mid '90s based on his books, which was okay. Did you guys, watch that? No. Uh, I, I think I watched the pilot and maybe one episode after that. It wasn't really my thing. I didn't really care for the. I tried reading the first book. It really didn't grab me. No. But he for a while there, he had a little mini franchise going. He had that they, they, they the novels, the TV show. I think there was a Marvel did a comic for a while. Jeez, he's smart. So, yeah, he did all right with that. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. the big the big. Late in life success for him was playing Denny Crane on Boston Legal. Yep. I think the reason he got that was because of his role in Miss Congeniality. Because I think that was important because that was where he like was kind of playing a caricature of himself. Yeah. And I think that probably helped give it a give him a little jolt. Yeah. Those like, Priceline I mean, commercials were big too after him. Yep. Huge. Huge. Yep. Because he showed, yeah, he didn't really, he was not afraid to make fun of himself, but which for a long time he was not comfortable doing. And then I think he finally just realized. <laughs> Le- lean into it. Yeah, lean yeah, into it. Yeah, he was made fun of a lot. I mean, it was, he was a very easy target for quite some time. He was. Well, well yeah. keep in mind, I mean, Galaxy Quest came out in 1999, right? And the portrayal there of of him in the, in the first act as of Tim Allen as the surrogate Shatner is yeah. a little harsh, right? Yeah, it's not and flattering at all. It's not flattering, and and you know that's perhaps not wrong. And then Miss Congeniality was the next year, so right. maybe that kind of washed the the taste out of some people's mouths. He had fun on the game show circuit, though, back in the day. Oh, oh yeah, he was, he was on Password. The game shows. Yeah, he was on like Tattletales yeah. and all these. Oh my God, all these Those pyramid shows. Yep. I forget what happened. Yeah, yep, yeah. the pyramid shows and Hollywood Squares, like all that stuff. It paid. Yeah, he always took jobs. I remember I've seen interviews with him. He said, "I will if I'll take work if work is offered to me, I'll take it." And he was right. raised. I think that's the way he was raised. Like he just yeah. if work is work is if work is offered, you take the work. Yeah, which which is admirable to some degree, but when you're an actor, probably not the most advisable thing. Because he's taken, he's played a lot of crap in his career. Yeah, well, you got to make money, man. I mean, yeah, he, I know. the one thing he says, again, back to the book, but he's he's like, you're waiting for that phone call and you still don't know if it's coming. Right. And so it's such an uncertain life that I'm sure, I wonder, like, I don't think he ever feels secure, even though he has, you know, he's loaded. He's fine. Yeah, yep. I'm sure he's okay. Yeah, I'm sure he's more than okay. Yeah, but- well, and I think actually, if you probably look at his total net worth, I think the deal that he negotiated with Priceline probably a huge chunk of it oh yeah no he, he says he lost money with that oh did he yeah he said that was like he said he's bad with money no he said he's notoriously bad with money gives bad advice and did a bad negotiation on his price line deal well he had made a killing initially i think and then um and then when that stock when that dot-com bubble burst he lost uh, a, yeah. a lot right of it. he said like when someone tells you what you're worth on paper and it's a lot. It doesn't really mean the thing that you think it means, I think, is what yeah. I'm And it, does, it doesn't matter how much an unrealized gain is until you hit sell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, let's not feel too bad for Oh, no, he's fine. He's totally fine. But I think he does have that work ethic from back then. When you're oh, struggling, yeah. when you don't say no to a job, you yep. know, when you don't know if you, if things are going to go away. He's had his career. He's had, he's had it go up and down and up and down. And then the last few decades for him have been up, 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 which is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So shall we talk about Captain James T. Kirk? <gasps> yes, let's do a deep dive. All right. So guys, what are your favorite Shatner moments in Star Trek? Lori. 
Okay, well, I'll start with a wacky one. I think his Fizbin thing is phenomenal. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could watch it a thousand times. Sometimes I just go find the scene and watch it again because he is having so much fun. That whole episode, he's having a blast, a piece of the action. Yeah. He is, but that particular scene where he's like, just his intonation and the way his voice yeah. changes with everything he says. It's oh. so good. Oh, you got another Jack. Yeah. How <laughs> you are. <laughs> I know he's so good. So that's my first wacky one. <laughs> so last earlier this week, I rewatched uh, This Side of Paradise with my dad. We were just flipping channels and it was and then we came to that. And it's like, oh, we'll stop here. And I'm actually also reading the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel it's based on. So kind of a coincidence. And I love the scene where he realizes I need to get Spock mad. I need to get under <laughs> yeah. that thick Vulcan skin like never before. So he like gets a club and makes fun of his mom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets the crab beaten out of him. He calls him a half three so or I something. Think yeah. He really tries too. to like, yeah. 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 Brian. Piece of the action is definitely one of them. He He's great in that. Um, I love him. He's amazing in City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. Oh. It's such oh, a and heartfelt that moment. I mean, the yeah. whole performance is great, and yeah. then that moment at the end is just yeah. Yeah, he's he very clearly is playing a man who is deeply in love and kind of just shattered by the what he has to do. That is probably his most heartfelt performance in the course of the series. Yeah, I think um, in anything. Maybe. In a, yeah, maybe in anything. Yeah, it's it's his one of his best hours, William Shatner. And she's his soulmate, by the way. Oh, Edith Keeler absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Balance of Terror, as I've mentioned recently in an earlier podcast, I, I love the struggle he has in that trying to figure out what to do in this crazy situation with the Romulans in the neutral zone where if he makes one false move, he could start a war. Mm-hmm. Very much... He, uh, 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 Cuban Missile Crisis sort yep. of channeling yeah. that J- yep. JFK-ness. Yeah, and yep. he has to struggle with, you know, putting on a sen- uh, uh, sense of confidence in front of his crew. I mean, meanwhile, he's completely unsure of what he's supposed to be doing. Um, that scene in his quarters at McCoy is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek. So mm. good. Naked time. You learn a lot about Kirk's obsessiveness Yeah, with, with his career and with the ship and everything else. And Shatner's it's over the top, but that episode as a whole is over the top. Yeah, so it kind of it all it's all of a piece, and it works really well. I think it's meant to be. Yeah, you know, I also I like at the very end of Errand of Mercy, he has this transition where he suddenly realizes he's been being an ass. Yep, and he's uh, we so, have the right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and the, you see the, the whole yeah. change yeah. in his face and demeanor and body language, and I you know there's just something about that transition. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he and he, but he's got the ability, as you, you were saying, he did a lot of crazy things during the course of the series. But he could play the drama, and then he could play the comedy. He's great in the trouble with triples too. Yep. He's yep, very like funny. just deadpan, waiting for things to happen. Like he does yep. a lot of just like a beat. His his rhythm's really good. Yep, and he can play very uptight and obsession. He's very like rigid and like unpleasant. Yep. You, you know, know what? I was just. That scene, it's such a stupid episode, but at, near the end of the Gamesters of Triskelion, he's like in this weird leather strap thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's weird. talking to this dome with brains in it, and yeah. he's so, it's, so it's basically really him by himself, and he's so captivating as he's yeah. convincing them. He makes the scene feel exciting when he's yeah. convincing them that he's going to do this thing. And it's just like this guy alone with a matte painting and some brains in a dome. Yep. <laughs> and the weirdest outfit ever. <laughs> That's such a bad episode. <laughs> no, but it's fun. It is entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It can't yeah. be fun, but yeah, but oof. You know, which is like a total opposite of, say, like the Deadly Years, where he manages to pull off probably his own worst fears. Yep. Mm, sure, with the mortality. Yeah. Yep. What was it? David Gerald. I, I saw an interview with him, or I read something. He he had said that he believed that people do not understand just how much of that series was on Shatner's back. He's in almost mm. every scene. Mm-hmm. 
and he just had to be there and he had to be on all the time. And then he basically, in many ways, carried the, the series. And he did. It's true. I mean, as much as Spock is a key component of the original series, the whole thing, Star Trek, particularly the original series, was an action-adventure show, and Kirk is, in in the holy trinity of Star Trek, Kirk is the, the impulse, the action, all the mm. time. So so everything kind of had to revolve. I mean, some of the some of this is by William Shatner's design, but like... <laughs> Very the, much so. Yeah, but the whole thing is propelled by Kirk. So Shatner was there all the time, working all the time. Yeah, I mean, people often look back at it and think that it was an ensemble show, but it really wasn't. It's not. It was, no, it was, not. It was Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and really Kirk, Spock. Yeah. Yes. And the only, as far as, I mean, I don't want to get too far off track, but the only, to me, the only Star Trek show that has an ensemble is Deep Space Nine. Yep. Yep. The rest of the Star Trek shows have a higher tier and then everybody else. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. Yep. And it also, not just as in an ensemble among, well, with, don't get me started on that. Um, yeah. I, and <laughs> sorry, I could go on that. The only, the only instance of the original series that's, uh, um, Ensemble is Star Trek Four, right? yes. Because everybody has their own little missions yeah. they get to go on, yeah. Which I think is yeah. one of the reasons it's so popular is we get to see like Sulu doing all this, all this cool uh, uh, helicopter pilot stuff, and we get to see Scotty do the whole uh, um, transparent aluminum stuff. So I think that's one of the reasons why that was so well received. I agree. That's definitely yeah. an aspect of it. No question. Yeah, I think of the movies. I think Shatner's best is number three. I yeah. think that's the one where the character has the most to do and where he gives the most the um, nuanced performance or varied performances. As you know, my favorite line in all of Star Trek is the "How many fingers am I holding up?" We're yeah. here in the middle of this grim life and death, terrible situation. He's like, you know what? I think I'm going to mess with my friend a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> And the part, the part in Star Trek Three that I, I think it's the best for Shatner is when he's there at the bar with the commander, and the commander is giving him this speech about like I don't break rules, and neither do you. We have to do this stuff, and we don't see the commander. We just hear him talking, and the camera is just slowly coming in on his face, mm-hmm. where where we see him realizing, I don't care what this guy is saying. I need to go save Spock, right? Yeah. And then at the end, when his face twists and this big smile is on his face, which is just a veneer. And he says, I hear you, but I had to ask. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a great moment because all yep. he's thinking in his head at that moment is, I'm going to go steal the ship and do the thing that I yep. got to do. Also, in that, in that movie, his reaction to David's death, I always find incredible. Yep. When yep. the way he falls back on the chair is just so, it's powerful. And it's from someone that, you know, was be, still being called cheesy at the time. Yep. Yeah, it was yeah. a it was an enormous chance he took when he did that, and it and it worked. Yep. Also, the symbolism of him being in the captain's chair and it kind of being thrown like, and it being in the middle and the center of the tension, a uh, center of attention whenever the the cameras on the bridge, for that then to get interrupted symbolically works really well too. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. So other things from the the TV show. Where I think Shatner stands out. I mean, I mentioned my favorite episode is uh, of the original series is the Enterprise incident. And one of the things I actually love about that is how they flip the roles. How Spock is the one who has to kind of be the tip of the spear. And he's the one who has to seduce the lady and all that kind of stuff. While uh, um, while Kirk has to, to be sort of the more cunning one. Mm-hmm. I love the whole thing where he finally gets to where he has the ears on. And so there's that kind of turn as well. And I, uh, I think the line, there's no such thing as the Vulcan death grip is mm. a classic because it's, <laughs> it's the franchise having a little bit of fun at its own expense. It's like every, every episode, it's like, Oh, here's this new mysterious thing that, that happens on Vulcan. And so they get away with it. And then, and then nurse Chapel's like, wait, there's no such thing as a Vulcan death grip. Yeah, How could yeah. he have been killed by that? Yep. That's funny. So good. The scene when 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 Scott when they're convinced he's dead and then he comes out having had the his ears mod, uh, modified yep. and Scotty sees him and there's the big grin on both their faces. That's <laughs> that's an iconic image in my opinion. You look like the devil himself. <laughs> 
That's the first episode of Trek I ever watched, The Enterprise. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. And you know what? That's like one of my least favorites, except that I like all the scenes that you guys are talking about. All my issues were were with the the weird Romulan commander creation. Like, great actress, really bad, weird character. Yes, very weird character. Yeah, like not if the, if she really was the captain of a ship, she wasn't doing such a good job. Um, <laughs> also, for some really weird reason, she doesn't have a name, which has always been weird. She does, but she has to whisper it. Oh, right. that's right, that's right. But well, we we don't learn the name. No, but according to Spock, it's quite rare. Ah, oh, well, and quite beautiful. But the Kirk moments in there are definitely more fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think the uh, arena, his performance in arena is really good too. How he has to be like all cunning and figure out how to make the uh, the cannon. Um, and and again, do so much of that by himself. Yep. Oh yeah, because because there's no communication with the ship, so that's right. good. Right, that which is hard. He can be smart too. Yeah, just spending days running around Vasquez rocks. Yeah, and then you know when I think about like the the paradise syndrome, you know, I'm Kirok. Um, but we get this like window into like Kirk's life if he just got to indulge this, you know, in love, happy family part of himself that appears yeah, yeah. again in generations. Yeah, like somewhat, you know, like to some degree, that's he. There's a piece of him that that craves that. Yeah, that craves domestic life and being in love and knowing. And again, that's why he's weeping about it in Naked Time. Yep, no and beach so, to walk on. Talk about consistent. I mean, yep. just across those three pieces. Mm. Yep, yep. What What's your opinion? You weren't on when we, uh, Laurie, when we did uh, Generations. What's your opinion of that movie specifically? I, his role. I always enjoy it. I even though I think uh, Picard's Nexus experience is really tedious and <laughs> ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I love the omelet scene so much that I could watch it just over and over. Yeah, then, I know. I know it bothers some people, but I like it too. I love it. Past the dill, it's like this whole. It's the fantastic. Dilly. The way he cracks the egg with one hand is just speaks. It tells you so much that he cracks yeah. the egg with one hand. Yep. Um, and then also when he's on the horse and he kind of moves the horse around, and you just see like expert Shatner horseman doing his mm. thing too. Yep. So I feel like those those moments are great. I always really enjoy that movie. Did you guys like it or not like it? My problem is it's difficult to do an adventure with two leads, right? Because one of them has to be in charge and one of them has to not be in charge. And it seems like Picard isn't in charge of his own movie. And so it's kind of weird. It's like there's an episode of The Office, maybe I've already related this on the Shutterpod, where Jim gets promoted to co-manager. And Oscar Martinez is saying, oh, this is a great idea. What what uh, country on earth doesn't benefit from having two presidents? How, how many ships set sail without two captains? Where would Catholicism be without the popes? Right. Oh, so I think it kind of runs into a little bit of that where I think it would have been better to like have Kirk join the crew early on in the first act and have him be in the 21st century for most of it, but have the crew split up where like. He's with Worf and Deanna and Data off somewhere while Picard is doing another thing. And then Picard yeah. and Shatner meet at the end or Picard mm-hmm. and Kirk meet at the end because because it feels like like Picard has so many weird, so many weird moments in that movie anyway, that yeah. when Kirk shows up, he kind of just runs circle around him, yeah. especially like with huh. Picard wearing the weird Deep Space Nine uniform that doesn't look like it fit him particularly well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I remember reading reviews at the time the movie came out. It's like, you know, it's funny, you know, Patrick Stewart is such a superior actor in many ways to William Shatner. And yet when he's on screen with Shatner, all you can do is look at Shatner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's funny. Some people just have it, guys. <laughs> I'd like to watch that movie that Jared just described, though. Yeah. Her so hanging I'm, out with Deanna. Yeah. Do so my, I think he'd need to have like a, 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 a good heart to heart with Worf. I think that would have been good. And then I think he should have banged Deanna. And at the end, when Riker oh. finds out, she says to him, wait, are you jealous of him or are you jealous of me? Because like <laughs> Kirk, because like Riker has a crush on Kirk too, right? There, like there's maybe... an age difference there that's feeling a little icky, but otherwise. <laughs> and Or I don't know. I just thought the best part of unification was actually not the Spock stuff with Data, but the Spock stuff with Picard. 
And so sometimes it works better to play against opposites. And so I thought the the last person really that you'd actually be good to match up Kirk with would be Picard. It should have been somebody else. And I, I think I think Worf would have been the best one because of the Klingon stuff. Hmm. It's funny because people used to like there used to be this whole thing of how they were so different. They were such opposites, Kirk and Picard. And I don't find them. I mean, I'm agreeing with you because I don't find them to be such opposites because Kirk, Neither do I. Kirk's character was a lot more thoughtful than people gave him, you know, than sort of totally. the mass culture totally. gave him credit for. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. people, Star Trek fans know, but like even I'm sorry to say newer fans who are they're very dismissive sometimes of kirk Mm -hmm. and of and of early trek and like if you watch that watch him turn to his enemies and invite them to be his friends watch him decide not to kill something that's threatening him because he thinks it's life that's worth investigating like there's so many times that he makes these gentle choices and careful choices and thoughtful choices he he doesn't just barrel in and start shooting people no and he's always asking for advice yes yes yep Although, and I think there's one episode where he kind of makes a joke about it, where it says, uh, being in charge means I have the privilege of asking for advice without having to take it or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. What episode is that? Yeah, so he's, he's far more thoughtful than, as, as Brian has said, the, the Chris Pine frat boy that I think a lot of people imagine him to be. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yes. But he does. I do enjoy, you know, I'm not, I don't like fight scenes and I don't like punching and I just get really bored. But sure. Kirk Fu, I could watch Kirk Fu. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite moment of Kirk Fu? Well, I think his fight with Khan is really good. Yeah, there's some serious Kirk Fu going That's on there. That's some serious Kirk Fu. But anything we used to, when we were kids, we called it the Kirk move, where he'd be on his back and then he'd use his legs to like push his enemy away and kind of jump back up. But it was, we just, we would always pretend to do the Kirk move. Very easily <laughs> imitated. Yes. Yeah. But it's fun to look at. And as someone like, if people start punching, I'm honestly, I'm either, I'm disturbed if it's graphic and I'm bored if it's not. And Mm, I'm just counting the minutes until that fight. Is the fist fight over yet? Can we get on with the story? Uh Uh-huh. But when he's doing his flipping around and he's on his legs and then he's on his feet and then he's on his back and then he's flying around, that stuff I could watch. My favorite Kirk Fu is when he's fighting the Andorian in yeah. Journey to Babel. Yep. And the Andorian, <laughs> yeah. like, he's, he has some kind of cover all over his shirt, and it, like, gets bent up at a weird angle, and they keep fighting rather than cutting the action and saying, okay, let's fix this guy's shirt, and then go <laughs> back to the fight. That is a good one. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic one. Like, And, like, you could tell, like, they missed their cue at one point, and they just kept going. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so so have that uh, do we want we've only got a few minutes left do we want to talk about instances where we have interacted with him or even just seen him at conventions because brian you got a picture with him like on the bridge a couple years ago didn't you? i did in vegas you- yeah i don't normally do things like that but it was oh, too good of an op- it was too good of an opportunity so i did was he nice yeah he was he was. Um, I had, to be perfectly honest, I've had several professional opportunities over the years to meet him, and I mm-hmm. chose not to mm. for this for the simple reason that, you know, to be perfectly blunt, he has a, not as much as he used to, but back in the day, he did have a reputation for being an ass. And he's so tied in to my childhood yeah. with Kirk that I didn't want, to be honest, I didn't want him to ruin it. So I avoided him. A couple, two or three times, I avoided just interacting. I've seen him up close, but I've never actually, you know, up and up until I went to the convention a few years ago. And I got, I walked up. He shook my hand. We took the photo. He thanked me for coming. I, I appreciate you know you guys you coming in. That's what I mean. That's all it is really with those kind of photo ops. You walk up, you know, you take the picture and you leave. But he was fine. He didn't, you know, he wasn't dismissive. He wasn't, you know, not paying attention and just smiling for the camera. He. He interacted. I couldn't have expected much more out of it than that, to be perfectly honest. You know, those those uh, photo things are, you know, you, they, you're right one after the other. So, which was a little rattling for me. Having never done it before, that, that kind of put me off too. I don't particularly like that kind of uh, environment where like there's no time to like have any kind of connection really for the most part. You're just in there, you know, quick word and then picture and then next. 
Right. And it can be tough when there's so much of a demand for it, but it's really nice when they do take a, a little moment. Like when, yeah. um, when Rain Wilson came to Salt Lake City Comic Con three year, half years ago or so, like after we got our pictures with him, he shook hands with everybody. My niece was dressed up as Dwight. It was super sweet to her. <laughs> so, and he had the beard for Harry Mudd, right? So right. he didn't look like Dwight. Um, but it's nice when there is a chance to do that because otherwise it's almost like, what's the point? Why not just get a picture with a cutout? Yep. Yeah. Yep. But no, he was fine. He was absolutely fine. Like I said, he thanked me for coming and everything. And that's all I could have expected out of it, really. He was fine. And, and it didn't ruin my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, there you good. go. Aim good. high. <laughs> yep. Um, I had a very nice experience with him. So I had helped, um, he has two, his Star Trek memories and Star Trek movie memories were co-written with Chris Kresge, mm. um, who was working at MTV when I was at MTV. And he'd come by my desk and he'd be like, hey, nerd, can I just run stuff past <laughs> you and you tell me, like, what do Star Trek fans know and what they don't? So he would run all this stuff past me as they were doing the book all the time. And Shatner had done the movie awards, which I had worked on also. Um, so I even have somewhere I have a VHS of him doing Tears in Heaven, which they oh, God. never aired because they realized how wildly inappropriate it was. But he performed all the songs. Anyway, so I helped Chris with the book and Chris gave me, oh, my God, a stack of memos from the original series, like a huge stack of wow. all those famous memos. But so when Shatner came by, he must have been doing I'm assuming he was like guesting on the Jon Stewart show or something. Mm. So Chris called me and said, come down to me, come down to meet him, come down to meet him. So I came down to the green room and he immediately got up, stood up, came over, shook my hand, said, I heard you were a tremendous help on the book. Thank you so much. And gave me his chair to sit in, which had like this big, you know, imprint. <laughs> it's like a big <laughs> armchair and it had this big warm butt imprint. And I was like, I'm sitting in Captain Kirk's butt. I, I was about to say, you're sitting in Captain Kirk's butt. <laughs> I was sitting in Captain Kirk's butt chair and his well done. yes well done and he was super nice and just was like he signed the book for me and thanked me and was just engaging the room in stories oh, and it was terrific. fantastic it was yeah. fantastic yeah yeah i kind of regret not doing it sooner because like i said like you had a good experience and i know other people who have also had good experiences with him i guess i was just a little little gun shy you know no there are those like when it's a bad one it's a bad one. Yeah. I mean, I met him when I was a kid also. My mom took us to meet him at like a local cable station or something when I was a kid. So we all just met him and shook his hand. It was just a whole bunch of kids standing in a circle around him is all I remember. Interesting. <laughs> That's cool, you, though. Do you, do you remember much about it or was it just sort of wham, bam, and that was over? Yeah, it's just I just remember saying hi and I feel like I was just starting to I was very young. So it's just starting to watch it, but my mom, I guess, she was very encouraging of my Star Trekness. In fact, she introduced oh, me to it. She was the one who got me to watch it. So, um, but yeah, no, he was just nice. I mean, he was, that was definitely his lean time, his lean years when he wasn't making a lot of money and doing a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, interesting. Well, because the other crazy thing, I went to see him. I was about maybe 10 or something, and my I was a bridesmaid at a wedding, and this that was being that the reception was being held at my house because it was like our our someone had looked after us when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And the same night he was doing a big performance where he was reading a chapter from Childhood's End while they had fireworks and a light show. Oh, cool. And I was like a kid and I was like, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. And somehow convinced them to let me leave the reception at my own house when I was a bridesmaid. And my aunt came and picked me up and took me to this thing because I was so determined to go. And I thought it was a very magical evening when I was a very kid. cool. Yeah, this That's big awesome. outdoors thing. It was it was amazing. But that also must have been in some lean years for him. Yeah. It was in the seventies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. His career finally when when the motion picture came came around and then the 80s were pretty good for him. You know, he that that movie obviously was a big A-list movie made by the studio. A lot of a lot of people saw it and I think that kind of just spurred him into the 1980s cuz the 80s were a good decade for him. Yeah. Mm. It's a good so, way to put it. Yep. I I've never actually met him. I've seen him I was trying to go through it uh before we started. I've seen him apart from conventions in Vegas with you guys. 
he came to Utah like in the mid nineties once, just one of those things where his flight in and his flight out were probably like two or three hours apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him once at the DC comic con when I still lived in DC, I saw his one man show in Philadelphia, but then have you seen that? I saw the movie of it. The movie of it blew me away. Let alone oh, the actual, I didn't get to see the live show, but I, we were, I went with a friend. We were astonished at his energy and yeah. Yeah. He, he had like a, a chair that he would use as kind of like a mobility aid. Um, but apart from that, like he was moving the whole time. Jeez. And there's the, the moment I remember the best is like through the whole time they have like images on screen behind him, just sort mm-hmm. of rotating through his career. And there's one bit where it cuts to him as like Alexander the Great. And he just uh, looks yeah. amazing. And when it came up, you know, because he's just in a toga and he's like holding a short sword out. And people just start wooting and clapping. And he says, okay, I'm not even going to look back at it. I can't, right? Because <laughs> he, he doesn't want to remember how beautiful he used to be. But that that was adorable. And then the other time he came here to town uh, for Comic-Con, it was him and Mark Hamill were in the... Uh, the basketball arena here for the Utah jazz. Cause they were the two big headliners wow. and Shatner was on first. And then Mark Hamill was on right afterwards. So they figured they just rent out the basketball arena for a few, for a few uh, hours for the two really popular ones. And Mark Hamill did great, but Shatner just owned the room. Like you could just tell his reflexes are this. It's like a uh, Malcolm Gladwell with the outliers. He has his 10,000 hours doing this. <laughs> Nobody does it better. And the best part was, a guy got up. <laughs> it was so funny. He said, "said Well, I I, I came here from Wyoming or wherever because I specifically wanted to see you. And before I came, I was sure to get my hotel on Priceline.com." And Chadner <laughs> interrupts. He's like, "What a brilliant idea, dude! What a wonderful young man to use Priceline.com. You know, Priceline lets you make your own price and goes off and gives this whole spiel." And everyone laughs because it was so tongue in cheek. But just a great little moment that that him doing conventions. It's like it's like watching. Uh, videos of Bruce Lee do martial arts, right? Where his reflexes are just so great. It doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's going to be able to respond. Yep. Yeah. I saw him host the next generation cast. Like he was the moderator. I remember that. Cool. That was yeah. like, yeah, it was like at Comic-Con in New York one year. And I mean, he owned it. He owned it. And yet they all got to tell, because again, he's fascinated by other people. Everyone got to tell stories. Everyone got a big moment. And yet he was definitely the master of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. He's Captain Kirk. Yep. Something I love is the relationship between him and even though I'm not a big fan of generations, I love that that's what opened the door for the friendship between him and Patrick Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Their interaction on the captains is the best part of that documentary. I and, agree. and I appreciate like the humility that Shatner has that he knows this man is a world-class actor and I'm not. And I have to respect that. And then conversely, Patrick Stewart has the humility where I have the career I have because of this guy. Yep. He paved yeah. the way for me to become a star. And so that um, mutual friendship and benefit is so heartwarming to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I've ever seen them on stage together, though. I've no, seen, like, I haven't. I've videos yeah, of it, I but haven't. I don't think I have. Yeah. But yeah, by all accounts, there, they are definitely friends. Yeah, yeah nice. they they both yeah I'm, you know they both have shared theatrical backgrounds. I mean, obviously Patrick's is more extensive, but well, they both did a lot of Shakespeare. They did, and you know, I'm sure they have a lot of mutual friends, the two of them. So, and they both um, had a uh, you know parental issues. Yeah, they did. They did. So, yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. It is heartwarming to see the two that the fact that the two of them hit it off so well, and they had great chemistry in Generations, which which is. Yes. The sad part of Generations is that, like, you really don't see them together all that much. They don't really go on an adventure, per se. Because it, it takes so long to get them together, right? Yeah, I know. The, it does. Yeah. It really does. I mean, the, the problem, I don't want to get too far into this, but the Generations' biggest problem is it had to serve way too many masters. Yeah. Yeah. Too many. It had to serve Patrick. It had to serve Shatner. It had to serve Brent Spiner. And then, to some degree, the rest of the cast. So, and you can't fit all that stuff in and make the thing coherent. It's very difficult. So. No, and when you've got Malcolm McDowell and you're not even doing anything that great with him. With him either. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah, and really he's a, you know, he's magnificent. Yeah. I would have, so. I would love to send Kirk and Picard going on an adventure together. Yeah. 
Or I still like Jared's suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> break, break up the crew and give Kirk yeah. some. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that would have been good too. It just, you know, but, but yeah. And also, I do like the Malcolm McDowell that the whole idea is Guinan is so awesome. What if there was an evil Guinan? How terrifying would that <laughs> yeah, be? Yeah, so yeah. I, I do like that conceptually. Yeah. And, and it was the guy from Clockwork Orange. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and wasn't he Caligula too? He yeah. was Caligula. Yeah. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, but I know how evil the historical Caligula was. Yeah. So I can just imagine. <laughs> He's always been good at playing very unhinged roles. He got typecast as Alex yeah, so Delarge, you know, and then that was it, really. Well, I'll just recommend um, Oh, Lucky Man, if you've never seen that. Oh, it's a great oh, movie. Lindsay oh, Anderson. my oh, God. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so good. And Britannia, yeah. there's a, there are three of them. It's Britannia Hospital, Oh, Lucky Man, and If. If, yeah. But I think Oh, Lucky Man is the is just an insane movie. It's so yep. good. Yeah, highly recommend all three of them. But that's Malcolm McDowell, and we're talking William Shatner. That's right. I know, but the two of I mean, Hats, who killed Captain Kirk, so I think that's it's right. okay to have a little detour there. I know. You know what? I was just, I don't know why I was watching. It was some, like, Paramount, must have been 30th anniversary, maybe, and a Star Trek tribute, and Ted Danson was up there, because it was right at Cheers's peak, I guess. Mm, I hope yeah. my timing's right. Um. And he said that he said he has a special connection to Star Trek because his wife's ex-husband killed Captain Kirk. Because uh-huh. he's married to Mary Steenburgen, Mary Steenburgen, who was famously married to Malcolm McDowell for a long time. So anyway, I just think that was such a random thing. I just, yeah, I was watching that last week. I have no explanation for why. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. thing where they did the Voyager Fraser crossover. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Very cool. Know. I don't know why I suddenly had to watch it, but I did. We all go down those weird rabbit holes, Lori. <laughs> yeah, I spent a good hour uh-huh. watching that stuff. <laughs> well, uh, closing thoughts. We were that the hour grows late, but I think this has been good. Uh, I fun to hear about uh, people's different reactions and interact interactions with the nucleus of the franchise. He's just it's he's a childhood hero, and then to watch him evolve the character and evolve as a as a person just doing all these different things i mean i think he's a shining example like william shatner is a shining example to anyone of how to live a life yep except for the not having super close friends part or sustaining a marriage i would say those two things are missing um but in general just his attitude his passion his enthusiasm and the fact that he's interested in he loves cars. He loves horses. He loves acting. He loves stories. He, you know, and people. He's just interested in people. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a wonderful example of what. Yeah, like Laurie said, of living life to the fullest, just reaching out and grabbing it all. Yeah, as much as you, as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, and recogni- recognizing that there's always that you can always have more. That you don't, you know, you can keep going. And if you don't like what where things are going, reinvent yourself. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, sometimes we all need a change and he has clearly taken that attitude and reinvented himself several times. Yeah. He wouldn't be, he would, we wouldn't still be talking about him and his, at his 90th birthday if he had not, if he had ended up just being James Kirk. Sure. He, yeah. And I always remember his birthday. It's the day before mine and Leonard Nimoy's is a few days later. So I'm like, yes, they were born four days apart. Yep. Yep. Happy birthday. And I'm in the, I'm like in a Kirk and Spock birthday sandwich. There you go. That's not a bad (laughs) place to be, Laurie. That's why I always remember their birthdays. Yeah. Fantastic. So happy birthday to him. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Shatter. One thing I'll end on is I remember many years ago, I watched a thing on VH1 where he hosted like the top 100 one hit wonders of all time. <laughs> and the joke there is, oh, well, he's a one hit wonder, but he, he's not. He's right? no. not. No. He, no. If, if he's a one hit wonder, his, his, his success is his brand as a, a performer. And Star Trek is a big part of that, but not the only part. That's right. Right. He's a cultural icon spanning decades. And a very cultured cultural icon. Yep. Yeah. And completely unique. There is no one 
anywhere <laughs> like him. Agreed. And I guess there's nothing better to say about someone than that. He is completely unique. Yeah, nobody does it better. <laughs> That's right. Makes him feel makes me feel sad for the rest, Jared Whitley. <laughs> I know. I was like, are we gonna do this song now? Just <laughs> <laughs> help Davis. You, you 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 get me, Brian. You get me more than most people. Do. Hey, well, hey, we got that. nowhere to go from here, you guys. Good way to go so, out, guys. Yes, it is. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for staying to the end, and we will see Thank you on episode ninety-six. Thanks. Yes, and happy birthday, Mr. William Shatner. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.